Assalamualaikum, dear brothers and sisters. I hope everyone is doing well, inshallah. And welcome to another episode of our tafsir of Dara Kumail podcast. Um, we ended here in the last episode. We went through these two lines. Uh, and we said these two lines seem like they might be somewhat of a contradiction, although they're not. But initially, at first glance, they, it might seem that way. Ya Allah, make it such that I come close to you. Like this, the sincere servants of yours are close to you. And at the same time, I fear you, the fear of those who have certitude, those who have yaqeen when it comes to you. And we said that Ali ibn Abi Talib is asking for both of these at the same time. And the reason why this might seem like a little bit of a contradiction to us is because normally when you are talking about someone that you come close to, it means it's someone who you are comfortable with. It means someone that you feel safe with. But here Ali ibn Abi Talib is saying, I want to come close to you. At the same time, I want there to be this fear in my heart. And I want to hold on to that fear, right? So how, do, how is this fear compatible with that closeness that you're trying to gain and seek with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How is it compatible with the, com the comfort that you feel in His presence, right? That's number one. Number two, how is it compatible with the love that we're supposed to feel towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? We are taught that we are supposed to do things out of our love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are taught that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves us and we are supposed to love Him back. We are supposed to understand the affection that He has for us and that if we are good servants, we will have that affection and love towards Him as well and that will show through our actions. How are How is this love essentially compatible with the fear that we are supposed to have at the same time. Okay, so if we understand what this fear is, and by the way, I said that this fear in the last episode I mentioned, that this fear is one of the most misunderstood concepts uh, within our religion, if you think about it. You know, Shia or Sunni doesn't matter. Like as Muslims, we have a, uh, a big misunderstanding as to what this fear is supposed to look like. And that is why, unfortunately, we've done a very bad job of being able to explain it properly uh, to the next generation and to the younger generation because of that they also have a uh, you know many misunderstandings about what this fear uh, is supposed to look like so I'll delve into this uh, point uh, by starting out by saying that when we fear somebody there's different reasons why you will fear someone right uh, and two of the main reasons why you fear someone are, are the ones we will talk about the first is sometimes when you fear someone because you fear that they will hurt you. You fear that they will do something against you. They will do something wrong when it comes to you, right? Uh, or for example, you fear that they'll steal your wealth. They will hurt you physically or emotionally, whatever the case may be. This is a type of fear that we have. And with many human beings, we have this type of fear. There are human beings that the moment they walk into the room, you feel tense. The moment you, they walk into the room, you feel like you need to protect yourself. You feel like you're walking on eggshells around them and so on and so forth. This type of fear is not what we're talking about when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
There's a second type of fear that really comes from understanding the greatness of an individual or an entity, if we're referring to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It comes from understanding how great and significant and magnificent this person that I am in his presence is. Even if I am 100% sure that this person will never ever hurt me, just because I know of his greatness and his magnificence, this in and of itself creates a fear in my heart, right? My heart starts to shiver, so to speak, right? And my body starts to shiver when I am in the presence of this individual. If I wanted to give you an example, and this, is a, this may not be the best example, but just to give you an idea of how at times we can feel fear even though we're, we technically don't feel like the other person is going to hurt us, right? If you went into the presence of a high-ranking official, if you went into the presence of a president, for example, of a king, for example, or, you know, to even use examples that we might even come across and really understand a lot better. If you went into the presence of this great, great alim, right? Imagine you follow this person or that person, right? Ayatollah Sistani, you know, other scholars. Imagine if you had the opportunity to meet them. And imagine if you were going to meet them without having a group around you, right? Naturally, everything you do you, you feel this fear in your heart, but it's not the type of fear where you're afraid that this person will hurt you. Of course, that's not going to happen. It is a fear out of understanding the greatness of this individual. And this we definitely have in our hadith, and we definitely have it in the verses of the Quran. This is why it's narrated that Imam al-Sajjad, when he used to go to pray and he wanted to speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he would display signs, he would display uh, and manifest uh, essentially behavior that would show that he's very, very much afraid. Okay, now does this mean he's afraid because God is going to hurt him? No, he, he, he was showing this type of behavior and this type of a reaction because of the greatness of the person that he is standing in front of. That's why you panic when you're in the presence of someone who's great because their magnificence and their greatness creates a panic inside of you, right? If you wanted to deliver a speech, in the presence of your your teachers, for example, right? Or your your idols. That's that's something that creates panic and a little bit of a fear in your heart. Now you take that and you multiply it by, you know, however much you want to multiply it for to, to reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's level and status, then you understand that that fear is very, very real. And at the same time, it's not a fear where you are worried that this person will hurt you. It's less of a fear of that. It's more of a fear of just understanding the greatness of the person that you're standing uh, in his presence. So the hadith says Imam al-Sajjad, when he used to prepare for salat, right, he used to go pale. That's the sign or that's one of the behavior or one of the reactions that someone has when they're really, really afraid of what they've seen, when they're really frightened of what they are seeing, right? And when they asked him, they said, well, why are you so frightened? Why are you so worried? He said, well, don't you guys know who I am standing in the presence of? And so the more someone, and this is really the key uh, line that we wanted to get to and the key principle that we wanted to get to, the more someone understands Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the more he gets to know him truly, the more he will naturally have a fear of, of him in his heart. Even though he knows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never wrong him just because of the magnificence, just because of the power that he knows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, even if he doesn't want to use it, just because he knows he has this power. 
there is a natural fear fear that builds inside of the heart of the human being. So when Ali ibn Abi Talib says, Make it such that I fear you the way the muqinin, those who have certitude, those who have yaqeen towards you, fear you. You can see he's, he's connecting yaqeen towards the fear. Meaning the more your belief is stronger, naturally what happens? That means the fear in your heart is going to build more because you understand his magnificence more and more. Now, if I'm a child, for example, if I'm immature and I don't understand the greatness of the scholar that I'm standing in front of, yeah, I might just mess around and I might, I might not feel any panic at all. But if then my father stands in front of that same alim, my father will have that panic in his heart, right? He will feel that magnificence because he enjoys a level of maturity that I as a child don't enjoy, for example, right? So the more your yaqeen increases, the more I get to know who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala truly is, the more this khawf will build inside of my heart. And so if someone were to say, well, am I supposed to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more? Or am I supposed to love Him? You know, which one is it supposed to be? The answer is that you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you fear your deeds. Because your deeds are the problem. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not the problem. The problem is your deeds and my deeds. If we speak about a punishment on the day of judgment, where is that punishment coming from? Is it coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's not coming from Him. It's coming directly from our deeds, right? And that's why in many ahadith we have, on multiple ahadith we have, and these are mentioned in Al-Kafi as well, that you are to have hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And at the same time, you are to fear your sins. You are to fear the wrong deeds that you commit. Okay. Beyond this, we also have this concept of khawf and raja within Islam. And so this concept that we constantly uh, have a fear, a healthy fear in our hearts. And at the same time, we have this hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all forgiving. And I just want to share one hadith in this regard uh, before we move on. Because in multiple hadith, it's mentioned that a believer, a true believer, he will have both of these in his heart. He will not live his life as if to have the most hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other words, enabling him to do whatever he likes to do because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive him. And at the same time, he has a healthy amount of hope in his heart that if he does have sins and his, his actions don't essentially stack up to the standards that they have to stack up to, that he still has that hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help him. Somewhere in between those two is the healthy balance. So in this hadith from Imam al-Sadiq he his companion, the narrator, asks him, he says, What was it that Luqman taught his son? You know, Luqman, this wise man who taught his son a number of teachings, right? A number of words of wisdom of his which are narrated in Surah Luqman in the verses of the Qur'an. He says, what was in there? And we know the Qur'an has told us some of them as well, but not, you know, the whole thing. He said there were very special words of wisdom in this wasiyah and this will of Luqman, the advice that Luqman gave to his son. And one of the most special and spectacular pieces of advice that he gave to his son was this. Fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the point, meaning that your actions should be such 
that they manifest a fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the point that if you were to bring to him the good deeds of the ins and the jinn, that he would still punish you. Meaning what? Meaning that you strive so hard to stay away from sinning, right? That it's as if no matter what, he's going to punish you. How much would you try to stay away from sinning in that particular situation? You would try your utmost effort, right? If you had someone who's going to be really, really harsh on you, then you're going to double and triple your effort. He says, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like this. This is how you should fear him. Meaning that when you come across haram, you can't just walk into the haram and say, yeah, well, he'll forgive me. And unfortunately, that's something that many of us do, right? We know that his mercy is there. And we know that he'll give us multiple opportunities, though he has not promised that necessarily. And so when we come across haram, we just enter into it and we, we, you know, we engage in committing the, the haram deed. He says he told his son to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like this. And then at the same time, And at the same time, have hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the point that if you were to bring to him the good deeds, or forgive me, the sins of ins and jinn, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would show his mercy to you. Right? Have that type of hope as well. When it comes to your actions, fear him. And but at the same time, have the hope that he will make up for when you essentially uh, don't stack up to the standards that you're supposed to uh, stack up to or you're supposed to live up to, right? And then the hadith continues and the imam says that there is no mu'min unless that this khawf and raja in his heart, both of them exist and they both exist to the exact same extent, to this exact same amount, meaning that it is a perfect balance between the two of these. So. As it relates to the khawf that we have towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is completely compatible with the hope that we have towards Him as well. You can fear Him and at the same time have hope towards Him. And then when we talk about love and fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is also completely compatible because when we talk about loving Him, that makes sense. But when it comes to fearing Him, we're talking about fearing His sins or forgive me, forgive, uh, fearing our own sins and our own deeds, right? We fear our deeds because that's what leads to punishment at the end of the day. And our love is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, this fear, it needs to be correctly understood and explained so that we can, uh, inshallah, have a, a deeper understanding of it. If we ever do speak of fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself, not our deeds, we are talking not in the sense of he is someone who will hurt us. We're talking of someone that is so great and magnificent that you will feel a fear in your heart just being in his presence. But then the verses of the Quran tell us that as much as you feel that discomfort and that fear just because you know who he is, then that same fear, it will change and it will morph into a comfort because you then remember the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? So in verse uh, 23 from Surah Al-Zumar, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allahu anazzala ahsan al-hadith kitaban mutashabaha. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed and sent down the best of hadith, the best of speech. Kitaban mutashabaha. Mathania. This book is a book that some parts of it are similar to other parts of it, right? It's cohesive. It's not like you say one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said one thing and then he says something else that contradicts, contradicts it. No, it's kitaban mutashabaha. 
when the believers read the verses of this book, they're, they not, you know, in my words, they get goosebumps, right? Like their skin reacts to the fear that they have. But then at the same time, But then when they remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because, because again, his presence is a presence of full comfort, his presence is a presence of full mercy, that fear also translates and turns into a sense of comfort and a sense of tranquility and a sense of calmness at the same time. This is the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He shares with whoever He wants from His book or through His book. So when we talk about khawf, when we talk about the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it has to be understood uh, within this context that we explained. Moving on to the next line, and also help me be amongst those who are part of that, you know, that close circle of people around you. You know, essentially, help me be amongst those who are part of the best servants of yours. And Ali ibn Abi Talib makes this request in this dua multiple, multiple times with different wordings, right? And as we continue with the dua later on, he will say, Make me amongst those servants of yours who uh, receive the greatest share of your blessings. These are all reiterations of the same thing, really, if you think about it. It means that we're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to place us amongst those, his most special of servants, essentially. Allahumma wa man aradani bisu'in fa'arid wa man kadani fakid. Oh Allah. Whoever makes an evil intention with regards to me, he makes the decision to hurt me. He makes the decision to wrong me. فأرد, you also do the same for him. فكيد, and whoever decides to plot against me, then you also plot against him. So essentially what we are praying for here is that if someone tries to essentially come and hurt us, He's trying to get 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 at us. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even though we don't know about his plot, even though we don't know about his plan, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect us from his plan. And this is something that again we find in our hadith has been pointed out multiple times. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, many times there is a person, a group of individuals, a person of power and influence, who wants to hurt another and so he starts to plot and plan against him and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala plots against the person who is plotting in order to stop him from being able to carry out his plans and you have to remember that all of this is happening without the the you know the potential victim you know the person who was supposed to be hurt without him ever knowing anything about this and that's the beauty of this. Because usually when we think about the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we think about the things that we can see in front of us, right? We think about the things that are actually there, the things that did happen in our life. Like I have a car, I have a house, I have a family, I have friends. These are all blessings. I have my health, I have my wealth. These are all blessings that we have. But then there are a whole set of things, a whole host of things that were bad things that were supposed to happen to me, but they didn't happen to me. But do I ever thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all of those things that were supposed to happen to me that never happened to me? No, why? Because I don't see them around me, right? 
if I don't see them around me, I just naturally assume that they're not there. That's how it is. And if you think about it, even in our relationships, uh, we also do the same thing. So before I explain that, let me explain this a little bit more with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we talk about our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we thank Him for the blessings that are already there. But what about the things that could have happened to us that were horrible, that essentially He stopped them before they happened to us? Like these lines of Ali ibn Abi Talib, someone who was plotting against you that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala plotted against him and stopped him from being able to carry out his evil intentions against you. Do you and I ever thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for anything like that? No, because we're ignorant. And our ignorance and our limited knowledge, we only thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the things that did happen and only those things that did happen and we can cl clearly see how they're good for us. Only those things, right? We don't see, uh, we don't thank him for the things that happened and we don't clearly see them as good things. And we obviously and clearly do not thank him for the things that were supposed to happen to us that didn't happen, the bad things. Because those aren't things that are tangible for us, right? They're not in front of our eyes. And this really shows another level of the ignorance and the limited knowledge that we have as human beings. How many of us have been in situations where something horrible could have happened to us? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because of the mercy that He has, removed this difficulty from us and we never even find out about it. And so if someone were to say, well, how do I even know, you know, all this stuff is happening? You know, where, which hadith or verse of the Quran tells us that there's so many bad things that could happen to us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is protecting us from? Well, when you look at Dua Arafah, in Dua Arafah, Imam Al-Hussein, very beautifully, he explains this, that, Ya Allah, the blessings that you have blessed me with, all of that on one hand, then all of the difficulties and the problems that were supposed to happen to me, the calamities that were supposed to befall me, and that you protected me from them, that's a totally different thing that I never thank you for. And then Imam Al-Hussein mentions this one line in that dua that really puts things uh, into perspective for us. So inshallah, in the next episode, we'll discuss that in what Imam Al-Hussein says about those things that are bad that didn't happen to us and what our approach should be when it comes to uh, those incidents. Inshallah, we'll discuss that in the next episode. Until then, keep us in your duas. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.